It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone, it's your host Edward Ford and welcome to the Growth Hub podcast, the show about all things B2B SaaS marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Advanced B2B, the growth marketing agency that helps B2B SaaS businesses generate sustainable revenue growth through marketing. So if you're looking for an agency partner who will help you get measurable results from your marketing, then check out advancedb2b.com for more info. Now, joining us today on the show is Catherine Liebert, Head of Marketing at OutFunnel. And today we're talking about how to grow your SaaS business as a solo marketer. Now, Catherine joined OutFunnel as the first and currently only marketer in the company, which is a situation shared by many SaaS marketers around the world. So how do you grow your SaaS business as a solo marketer? Well, Catherine explains how she's doing it as we hear how you should set expectations for marketing, why you should create a 100-day plan, how to figure out which tactics and channels to focus on, how to work with freelancers and agencies, and how to scale your team in future. There's all this and a whole lot more on episode 65 of the Growth of Podcast with Catherine Liebert, Head of Marketing at OutFunnel. Welcome to another episode of the Growth of Podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome Catherine Liebert to the show, who is Head of Marketing at OutFunnel. So Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth of Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on the show. And today we're talking about a topic that many SaaS marketers can relate to, and that's how to grow and get stuff done as a marketing team of one. So to kick things off, what should you actually consider before accepting a job offer to be the solo marketer at a SaaS company? Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I think the first thing is to just align with the people you're interviewing with, whether it's the CEO or the founders, get a sense of what their expectations are for, for you as a solo marketer. Um, I found that sometimes um, the expectations can be a little misaligned or um, very often it's it's a very product-led organization. So they think that they've built this product and now they just need someone to grow it. Um, so that's definitely, um, you know, a flag that you should look out for. Um, and really like when you're interviewing or when you're exploring the position, um, find out if this, the company has happy customers, whether there is, you know, at least a sign of um, product market fit. Um, that's usually something <clears throat> that you need before you can start marketing the product um, and find out how your role will be measured or valued. It's it's a very important role in, in an early start, early stage or really any stage company. So make sure that your your role is, is sitting right at the right spot in the team. Um, I think another thing to consider is just knowing yourself and yourself as a person. Um, there's, um, I, I would say that as a solo marketer, you need to be quite full stack or, or kind of generalist type of a marketer or at least ready to you know, grow into that. Um, even if, you know, it might be quite clear what you need to do in, in one part of whether it's demand gen or specifically content marketing, then your role might evolve a lot. And, and you might, you know, as the company grows or, or even 
pivots in the early days, you need to be able to own different areas. So even if you know you don't know those areas of marketing very deeply, you need to be confident enough that you can manage that, like project manage at least, and make those difficult decisions as you're as you're owning the marketing side of things. So I think having a decent amount of experience or at least know-how um, under your belt before you accept that position um, is very important. There's this often, you know, people are given this advice that, you know, accept the challenge and then you, you know, you'll learn on the job or, or you know, you'll, you'll figure it out then. Um, it might work for some, but if you're someone who's not that confident or it, it can just be very difficult for you. Um, and, you know, you might be ready for that. You might be in a stage of life where you, you do want to challenge yourself and, and just figure it out as you go along, but it might be very difficult. Yeah, for sure. I think really good points there. And I would love just to, to jump ahead and follow up on, on something you mentioned there, because you'll probably be working very closely with your CEO or founder, which I think was the case for you, or is the case for you at OutFunnel. And you spoke there about the importance of aligning expectations. So let's just dig into that for a moment. So how did you actually set expectations beforehand about what marketing will deliver? Yeah, so I think that really depends on who is your CEO and what is their background? Um, in my current position in, in OutFunnel, I'm very lucky to be working with a CEO who is very strong on the marketing side of things. So when I joined, uh, the expectations, I would say, were more set from him. And it was very clear what is expected of me. And it was more up to me to manage those expectations, maybe. And but often the CEO or the founding team is uh, is more product um, oriented or they might not know that much about uh, marketing or, you know, just not that deeply. So in those cases, um, you need to be setting those expectations and you need to be very confident about how you speak though, about those things and be able to say no when you when you know you're right and, you know, not not do it in a very negative way, of course, but but just align with them and and make sure that you convince them of your uh, point of view and that you know what you're doing. Yeah, super good points. And I think as well, a lot of CEOs and founders can be very product-led, as you said, and their understanding or expectations of marketing could be very different to, to what you as a marketer uh, think as well. So really, really good points on aligning there with your CEOs and founders. And so let's move forward from here and let's say that you've accepted an offer you've arrived on your first day at a SaaS company as a solo marketer where should you start yes so um i would i would really recommend starting with getting the foundation right um understanding your customers so hopefully there will be some customers already who are paying for for whatever service you're offering and you get to do perhaps interviews with them join in on sales calls or, or if it's, if it's, you know, if you don't have a sales function, then do maybe jump in on some of the customer support to really understand what the customers are looking for in your product and how they're using it. Um, often the product is built for something, but there might be specific use cases that the customers are using the product for that the team might not even be aware of. So really like dig deep there and, and make sure that whatever you think the product fit is or the team thinks um, that it's aligned with what the customers are actually doing. Otherwise there's gonna be a lot of friction. 
and then you know go about making sure that everything you do in marketing, everything that you've got up on the web, on your on your channels, is is aligned with um, what the product, what the users are actually using the product for. So getting a lot of the positioning and messaging right in the early days, that's really where um, I would start. Um, another thing is, um, and this is something that um, the CEO had set up for me when I joined, is to sort of have a 90 to 100 days plan and, and really take some time to outline what are the key activities or, or key things you need to get done in the first 100 days. And this should cover more or less all of marketing and, and, and the product side, getting to know the product as well. Um, this is this goes back to managing those expectations of the rest of the executive team or, or the founders as well. Um, just because once you have that in place, then you can start executing on that and you can measure your progress as well as you go along. And, and that, you know, sets sets the stage for 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 your first couple, three, four months. And and then you're really aligned with everyone else on your team about what you're doing and why you're doing those things. So take some time to work that out and, and, and definitely align with the rest of the team and make sure that they agree that that should be the first 90 to 100 days plan. Um, and that's, that's, that really sets, your, sets you up for success. And another thing is, I think a lot of people think that you know, it takes some time for marketing really to bring results. So it's, 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 you know, common knowledge that you need a couple months to see the effect of your, of, of what you're doing, the messages you're putting out. Um, but look for, look for a few couple quick wins as well. And, and this really depends on your area of exper expertise and what's been done in the company before as well. Um, in the very early days of OutFunnel, um, well, uh, Andros, the CEO, he was doing the marketing side of things. He was leading it before. And there was really, you know, we, we were addressing a really small part of the entire market of, of what we do, marketing automation, because our product was only available for Pipedrive users. So we really did, didn't have to, you know, do a lot of different things. We just had to nail being on the Pipedrive marketplace really well. So we had to make sure that our product is is up there, that it's very well described and it's clear that what the product offers. And you don't really need to do content or social or anything else if, if you nail that one thing um, where your customers are. So when I joined, it was like sort of a growth stage. It's like we need to look further than, than Pipedrive and we were adding different integrations and and my background is like I'm my strong strong suits are definitely on the content and SEO side. And Outfunnel had been putting out blog posts since the early days and having a very strong um, uh, CEO with a very strong marketing background. We had a lot of great content up there, just thought leadership and other things about the industry that we're in. Um, but very few of them were ranking, so it was it was sort of an aha moment for me that I need to work on that fast because those things need to get in front of more eyes of people. And, and it, the baseline was already there, but I just had to take it further and make sure that these um, articles start ranking so that they get the attention they deserve as well. And once you get you know a few of those quick wins in, then it, first of all, makes you feel good as well. It's like, look, look like it's just been two months and I've already done this and this and I've brought 
these many customers or leads. Um, and, uh, and of course it shows the, to the rest of the team, team as well that you know what you're doing. So it's, it's, I think it's great if you can find a few places where you can bring a few quick wins. And in, in some cases, this, these can be just good, very well done case studies or anything that shows that you understand the product and the customers as well, um, because the rest of it will take time anyway. And maybe just one thing I would add is um, figuring out some of the key processes. So seeing um, where the gaps are in, in what your company has done so far and and kind of documenting all of that and making sure you have a system in place for how you do things. And, and because that gives transparency to the rest of the team as well and, and just builds you up for success in the, in the later stages. Yeah, for sure. Really good point. So great to start with foundations, interviewing customers, building a plan and so forth. And I, I think one of the challenges with marketing is that there is so much under the umbrella of marketing. So how did you decide on which areas of marketing you'd focus on? So more specifically, the different tactics and channels? Yeah, I think in the early days of a company, um, what I've noticed is that most companies nail just just one small part of marketing really well, and that's the only thing that matters. And I kind of always try to remember that in the back of my mind that, you know, if if you are a solo marketer, your company probably is quite early stage. And at the end of the day, if you if you get that just one thing that's most important for your for your specific um the industry you're in for for your customer acquisition, then the rest of it, you know, there's there's always so many opportunities. There's so many so many different channels and and tactics and strategies to to implement. That it's you, you'll never have the time to do all of them, even if you'd like to try them out. Um, so I think the key is actually figuring out what that one thing is. Um, I, I explained the outfunnels example earlier, but it, it really depends on your business. So just because someone is seeing a lot of success with SEO or content marketing doesn't mean that's that for you. It, it might be performance marketing or, you know, finding the communities where your customers hang out and just, you know, filtrating those communities or maybe building those communities. So rather than, you know, so, okay, the question I guess is how to decide which, where is that angle and where is that one thing that you need to do? And I think that's really um, something that you can test out a lot um, by figuring out where your customers are hanging out, what, where, where do they get their information? Where, how can they find you? And it might be as simple as doing the search ads. You know, it can be CPC, um, making sure that if they're looking for a solution like yours, they'll, they'll find it and, and that you're there with the right, right message. So it's really um, a lot about testing and trying out different things. And that's, again, I think it goes back to why it helps to be a bit of a full stack or, or generalist, because you'll have to have this curiosity and willingness to try out different things until you find that one thing that clicks. Yeah, definitely. And from there, I think another big decision is deciding what to do in-house yourself and what to do externally either through partners, freelancers, or agencies. So how did you decide what to keep in-house and what to outsource? Yeah, so when I joined, a lot of it was in place already. Um, we have we had already a couple of freelance writers we were working with. 
And um, I think how I would approach it is really um, outsourcing the things that you can define very clearly. Uh, if you can build a brief for it, then then you can probably outsource it. And and if you if you build can build that brief, then someone else can put in the hours of getting it done. Um, someone who's probably specialized and even better at it than you. Um, so what to keep in in house are sort of the more creative or or kind of the discovery part of things because you'll at the end of the day as a solo marketer for the company you'll be the one who cares most about getting those results and doing those things really well so if it's about testing and discovering or you know brainstorming anything creative um, then I think you need to own that yourself um, so that's that's how I would approach it um, in our case here in Outfunnel we do rely on freelancers and outside agencies a lot. And part of it is because I'm not so specialized in those things. And, and I, I only have a limited number of hours per week. Um, but it's really, yeah, I would say as long as you can define and put it down in a brief, then it probably can be outsourced. Yeah. And what advice would you give solo marketers when it comes to working with freelancers and agencies? So this is a good one. Um, I, I've had very mixed ex experiences with working with freelancers and agencies. And um, I used to be actually like quite, you know, um, I've never worked at an agency, so I don't want to, you know, badmouth them too much. But I found uh, I've, I've had difficult experiences working with some agencies in the past. And just one example from a previous role um, where I was working, um, we... We knew we wanted to um, outsource some of the marketing activities and and we were recommended to work with this um, uh, great agency in, in London. And, and it was really, it wasn't a very small agency. It was very decently sized digital agency. We went there, you know, to meet them. This was pre-corona, of course. And, and we met with them, really smart people, all of them very, very knowledgeable about what they do. Um, they had, you know, someone, they had a, a separate team for performance marketing, a separate team for creative, um, but somehow it just didn't work out at the end of the day. And I was trying to figure out later what went wrong. And I feel like in a lot of agencies, you, you can have a really bunch of smart people, but once you kind of distribute who does what, then there isn't really anyone who's responsible for the entire thing at the end of the project. And you know, normally there's a project manager or someone who does that, but it's, it's sort of, um, they tick the boxes. So the the more cynical side of it is, you know, saying that the one guaranteed guaranteed thing you'll you'll get with agencies is that you know you'll you'll spend your money. Like they'll they'll send you the invoice. That's the one only sure thing. Um, but then again, I've had great experiences working with uh, smaller agencies, and and this is quite tricky because often they're so small they might not even have a proper website, or it's it's very difficult to find these kinds of agencies. But what I found with smaller agencies, what I mean by smaller is just, you know, a team of maybe three or four people is that they're really they really feel responsible for bringing you those results that you're looking for. And, and they're kind of, I feel like they're personally more invested because 
they you know they are responsible for for doing everything uh, for everything for you um, in that agency. So they're working together as a small team for you. Um, and I think that's just been my experience um, that working with really small agencies um, has worked better for me. And when it comes to freelancers as well, it's um, I think the best way to find these kinds of great freelancers and agencies is just through referrals. Um, the ones that we're working with don't necessarily, you know, advertise themselves. They're not very, you, you can't really find them if you start Googling. So it's just asking around, asking your network, um, who would you recommend? And often it can even be people who do have full-time or more or less full-time jobs, but they're doing some freelancing on the side. And, and, and so that's why they're not actively looking for new clients as well. But if, if it's a good fit, they, they just might, um, um, you know, work with you. So I would say, you know, ask for referrals and, uh, and look for referrals if, if possible. And yeah, so if, if possible, I would recommend working with smaller agencies at, at least as, as you're figuring out a lot of the things. Once, once you're scaling and, and it's a little bit more defined uh, what works and what not, then, then you'll have playbooks that you can give to the bigger agencies or, or whoever you're working with. And I think in those cases, it's, it's easier and uh, it, there's like less to lose if, if you already have a lot of the processes in place. Yeah, definitely. Really, really good advice. And I think ultimately it's all about getting results at the end of the day. And one thing I would actually love to ask, just coming back to expectations, which we spoke about earlier on. So how did you define and how do you measure success of marketing and out funnel? What is the main number that you're looking at? So for us, it's all about um, revenue. We we do preach a lot about revenue marketing in our channels as well. So so we like to you know uh, drink our own Kool Aid or drink our own champagne in that sense. Um, so I always look for ways that I can measure the impact I've had on the bottom line and actually bringing revenue. And it's not just because that's you know what marketing should be doing. There's little point to doing marketing if you're not affecting the bottom line. But it actually like inspires your, yourself and motivates you so much more. It's it's you know you can point at something and say that like that lead you know that customer came because I built that landing page, I set up that ad, whatever it is. Uh, you can it, it just makes you feel good and and it you know inspires you to to work even harder for the for the next ten of those. Yeah, definitely. And uh, going from here, so I guess you're not going to be a solo marketer forever that could be pretty pretty heavy so how are you planning to scale the out funnel marketing team going forward yeah so that's interesting because um it's something we didn't touch up on earlier but even today i i don't really feel like a solo marketer because um i am i mean i am the only person with marketing in in, in my title at out funnel and in in the team i am the only one but with the freelancers and agencies that I'm working with right now, they're so invested and I have such a good working relationship with them that I almost feel like they're an extension of our team. Um, so that's the benefit of working with really great collaborators. And I mean, I, I am a team player, so I would get very lonely and demotivated working completely solo. So it's good to have people that you can bounce ideas off with. So for example, our SEO agency partner, they're, um, 
they're really in I feel that they're invested in, in what, what they're doing and it's not just about delivering whatever we've defined for them but whenever I have a question about SEO or I'm confused about something or unsure I can go to them and ask for advice like we have a, such a good friendly working relationship so I think having those kinds of relationships is key it, you'll, you'll feel so much better working and of course in my team because the CEO is also marketing um, has a marketing background I can always bounce off ideas with him as well he always calls himself um um uh well like a freelancer for me but a very unreliable one because at the end of the day he is the ceo um so it's, it's good to have someone you know sitting across the table or, or having them, him at, at, at different you know just a zoom call away if necessary um but about scaling moving forward um so i would say um I, I think probably for, for us, the next step would be to get more people on the on the performance marketing side. I, I again, as a generalist, I, I know the basics and I can I can do what's necessary at this stage. But once you need to scale uh, performance marketing, you need someone who really loves digging deep into numbers and things like customer acquisition cost and finding out, you know, the different ways to scale and, and really testing out a lot of things and and I think it, there's a specific type of marketer for that so so I would probably look into that and then of course at some point it probably makes sense to bring everything that we outsource bring those functions in-house such as content generation or or SEO um, for now it's it's good to stay really flexible so that's I think another thing uh, about being an early stage um, one person solo marketer is you have these collaborators, but you're, you remain very flexible. So if, if you need to change your strategy or, or um, just, you know, take a different approach, then you can work around with these um, agencies or freelancers that you're working with or, or change very, very fast uh, uh, as to what your focus is. Um, so I think that's, that's a key part of working with um, outsourced partners is that you remain very flexible in the early days. Um, but once you once you've figured out your your you know funnel, your growth loops, whatever, whatever strategies you look at, then then it's it makes sense to bring these um, in-house. Yeah, for sure. And I love that your CEO describes himself as an unreliable freelancer. But uh, I think one final question before jumping to our fast five challenge and I asked this question from an earlier guest, Nick Harley, who runs a small SaaS marketing team in New Zealand. And that is, do you prefer to hire generalists or specialists early on? And why? What is your thinking behind that? Yeah, so um, I remember listening to that episode, so I'm, I might echo him a lot now because I agreed with him. <laughs> um, I, I, I would definitely prefer hiring generalists as well. And and that's mainly because you, you can't have the luxury of going too deep specializing if, if you're early stage. Um, it's it's useful to have specialists once you once you're 100 percent sure that that about what you need to be doing. But um, in the early days, you need to remain quite agile and flexible and just to prevent any kinds of frustrations from from your team, um, you know, 
the business strategy might change, your business model might change. And in those cases, you need to be able to say, huh, okay, what we did was good, but now we need to do something else that's even better or great. And, and, and just to be able to, you know, maybe not 180 degrees, but change your direction. Um, and I feel personally that generalists are better at doing that just because they have interest in, in a wider range of things and, and their, their curiosity is more superficial in a way, but um, just, you know, you, you remain a little bit more flexible to change your own mind. Yeah, definitely. I think really, really good points there. And uh, this was super good. And we could now move to our closing questions and our fast five challenge. So as ever, I will ask five questions and all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible. So Catherine, are you ready? Yes, bring it on. All right, let's do it. First question, what is the one book you would recommend others to read? Yes, so um, I'm a big fan of different behavioral economics books for the purposes of learning about marketing. And um, if there, if I have to pick one book, I would say Thinking Fast and Slow by Dan- Daniel Kahneman. It's been a couple of years now since I've read that for the first time anyway, but um, I still keep coming back to that and, and kind of thinking about a few things from that book every now and then. Yeah, that's great. Definitely a classic there. Second question, a SaaS company you love and why? Um, so I would have to say Shopify. Um, I took some time off between my different B2B um, career experiences and, and I, I've, I've been dabbling in different e-commerce um, uh, side projects on myself and I'm just so impressed by, by, by the product that they've built. I mean, it's not like before Shopify, there wasn't a way to build uh, an e-commerce store, but they've made it so easy that anyone with no background into coding or anything whatsoever can just set up a shop on their own. And I'm, I, I really love what they do in their marketing as well. It's just a prime example of, of knowing your customer really well and, and knowing how to talk to them and, and kind of preaching everything that they believe in. So, so all around a great company. Yeah, definitely. Third question, favorite place to learn about marketing online? Uh, that's a good question. There's so many great resources and content these days. Um, but I would actually say Twitter because you can you can always follow whoever you have a lot of respect for. And if they're active on Twitter, then they'll share so many great resources. So I am definitely a fan of, of Twitter for, for learning about marketing online. Yeah, great. Fourth question. We touched on this in the episode, but most important growth metric. Yeah, no surprises here. I'm going to go with uh, revenue um, and just not because it, it helps you um, learn what works and, and you know, really focus on double down on, on the most important activities in marketing, but also because it makes you feel good when, when you see that you've impacted the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. And then fifth and final question, best piece of advice for fellow marketers? Um, I would say make friends who are marketers. And actually, this is something we didn't touch upon earlier, but I found it so important to have good connections who who you can just ping if you're if you're unsure about something or even just ask for feedback. And this is just I've, something I've learned to do throughout the years. Um, I don't know about how it is among your friends and family and and colleagues, but um, Estonians are not great at networking. So it doesn't come naturally to us. I I was fortunate enough to spend a year in the States earlier in my career, but it still doesn't come naturally to kind of find new friends, um, especially when it comes to work. So I've 
learn to make sure that if I have a question about a genre or something that I don't know about, I, I can ask a couple of my marketing friends, ask if they can recommend someone. Um, you know, obviously no one's gonna work for you for free, but you're gonna always ask for advice from these people or from their connections. You know, ask for, a, you know, let, let's go for a cup of coffee, a walk, let's do a Zoom call. Um, I'm just struggling with something or I need feedback on something, or can you tell me about how you succeeded in doing this? And I found that most people are actually happy to help, especially if you're not super seasoned and you're just like starting out, then then marketing people actually want to help other marketing people. So, um, you know, find those mentors, even if they're just, you know, you, you catch up with them once a quarter, once in six months, ask them how you how they're doing. You can share your struggles and kind of build this give and get relationship. And of course, then later, don't forget to, you know, give them your support they might have a you know newsletter newsletter that you can recommend to your other friends or just refer them if, if they're a, a you know a freelancer so just and and even like if they've given you advice and and you've done something following their advice then share that with them like look these are the results i brought like thank you you know like so best piece of advice like i would tell this to everyone build those relationships and it's it's just something that will just keep giving you more throughout your career um, even if you've put out a new landing page and messaging you know you can send this to three of your those friends or or um, uh, people in your network and ask you know can you give me your two cents you know does this look look okay it just gives you your, that confidence and then later you can do the same for them yeah I think that is really really good advice so I have to say Catherine, this was absolutely awesome. And I just want to thank you so much again for coming on the Growth of Podcast. Oh, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. That was Catherine Liebert on how to grow your SaaS business as a solo marketer. So thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, we'd absolutely love for you to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. As ever, you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth of Podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency Advanced B2B. This is your host Edward Ford signing off and make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember it's the risk takers that are Biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are.